This podcast is intended to uplift, inspire, and in some cases, educate you on how to create a life that feels good. I am not a health professional, and the information and advice shared on this show should not be taken in replacement for any information or direction given to you by a healthcare professional. If you or someone you know is struggling with your health or mental well-being, please reach out to a healthcare professional in your area. For more information and resources on mental health support, please visit laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash mental health or see the link in the show notes. Hi there, I'm Laura, a teacher turned creator, and this is Fill Up Your Cup, the podcast with a mission to help you feel inspired, motivated, and empowered to show up for yourself and create a life that feels good. We're putting the personal back in personal development as we navigate this journey of self-awareness, self-compassion, and growth together. Because together, And with the right mindset, we are all capable of change and living a life that truly fills us up. Taylor, welcome to Fill Up Your Cup podcast. I am very, very excited to have you on as a guest today. Um, because you are all about what I'm about, which is self-care coming from a place that feels good and building a self-care practice that is more than just, uh, superficial and more than just doing what is trending, but really building something that's going to help us show up as our best selves. So I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today and to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You know that I love talking about this and I'm just really honored that I get to be here talking with you. Well, I like to always start off by allowing my guests to introduce themselves and share their story. And so I would love for you to do the same. Tell us who you are and what you do. But I also know you have a very interesting story in terms of how you really got to what you're doing. So I'd love if you could share that with us as well. Yeah, my name is Taylor Elise Morrison. I am the founder of Inner Workout and the author of a book by the same name. And our mission at Inner Workout is really to make well-being easier. And we do that by talking a lot about self-care and inner work. And as you alluded to, yeah, I am constantly surprised that this is my job People tell me all the time, like, oh, you must be so good at self-care. You just must be so calm and relaxed all the time. And it's actually the opposite. I came into this work because my tendency is to work too hard, to burn myself out. And my own work around self-care really came during a period of my life where I was constantly burning out. So I think me not being so great at self-care naturally actually makes me good at this work because I constantly need it myself. It's so funny that you say that because literally my second question, having read your story and and knowing that you know you are a coach, that's like your main title. You do a lot of speaking. And I really was interested in knowing how it was that self-care was an area that you really started to lean into in your work and 
why is it something that you felt was important not only to teach people individually, but you also work with um, business owners to help them understand why it's important within business practices, within um, companies where we're helping our employees. So how was it that this was the topic that you really fell into? Yeah, there's like, there's two ways I could back into the answer to that question. So one was, like I said, from a very personal experience of, I've worked in so many different types of companies. I've worked at like a big fortune 100. I've also been the first full-time employee at a startup. I've worked with multiple kinds of businesses and seen myself burn out, but also seen people in the offices or whatever environment we were working in really struggle to care for themselves. So for me, the moment that happened was this period when I was working at that startup. I also was doing a side hustle. I also was volunteering a lot. I also had just gotten married and it was like this perfect storm of a bunch of stress and me being like, I can't keep living like this. And I can't just like get a massage and make everything go away. That's feeling stressful. And then the other way that I can enter into that conversation is what I studied in school was human and organizational development with a focus in leadership and organizational effectiveness. Such a mouthful. And I say that's like the study of how people work and how people work together. And one of the things from like a business, whether that's a small business of one person or like a larger multinational company is we spend so much time at work. And I also think that work for many people is like one of the biggest detractors from our self-care and our well-being. But I think it has the potential to be the opposite. And so I'm really interested in how we can give individual skills to feel better at work, but also how like leaders and the structures of organizations can change as well. I love that. And I think it's so interesting to see more and more businesses, especially like big businesses, starting to lean into this a little bit more in the last couple of years where employee well-being became important because employers really didn't have a choice, but to figure out a way how to weather the storm of the pandemic and lockdown and realizing that happy, healthy employees are much easier to work with and much more resilient as well. And so um, I, I love that this is a, something that's becoming a bigger conversation now. I absolutely agree. It's so, so needed. And like, I'm glad it's happening now. And I wish it would have happened years ago. So true. And I also, I think it's so true what you said as well, that we sometimes don't acknowledge how much of our time of our life really is at work. And I think from working in places where there was, let's say toxic environments versus um, uplifting environments, I can see the power and like the also the impact that both of those can have on like your your desire to work with your colleagues and to work with your leaders in within that company when you feel that you are seen as a human and you are supported as a human in the best way that's possible within a company. Because obviously we can't expect everything from everyone. That's really a big part of what understanding well-being as well is about. But I think it's time that we start recognizing that, you know, work is an important part of all of our identity and and our days and our lives as well. 
<laughs> Agreed. So let's talk about your book because it is beautiful, both inside and out in terms of how it's designed. I just, I'm a sucker for design and your book is stunning, but also the content of it is delicious and stunning. I have been dipping in and out of it since the summer. It was like my beach read that I would take with me whenever I went to the beach. And every time I picked it up, I would just be so refreshed and almost like a mind reset in reading it because you come with so much knowledge and information and and science behind certain things as well. But then also that really lovely human approach of let's make this practical. (laughs) Let's make this approachable. I wanted to talk to you about the title of the book because it's also the title of your business that you run as well. And I love it. Inner Workout. Can you talk to us a bit about how that came about and and why that was the title and and the business name that you decided to go with? Because I'd love to hear the story behind that. Yeah. How did the name come up? Um, It all... So where to begin? Where to begin? I one, I'm a sucker for names. Like my mom, before she had me, her start of her career was as an English teacher. And we used to have literally this gigantic dictionary that was in my dining room. And this was before it was so common to just like Google what a word means. And so if I didn't know what a word meant, I had to like go to this dictionary. And if I didn't know how to spell spell it, my parents would like help me sound it out. And so playing with words has just always been something that's really fun for me. And originally when inner workout started, it was this practice that I developed that was rooted in yogic philosophy that combined movement, breath work, journaling, and meditation. And so when I was first thinking of a name for something, I wanted something that played on this practice that was map-based, but was getting to the fact that what we were focusing on wasn't toning our bodies. It was really like working our inside parts. And what I've loved is that the the business has evolved so much. And yet this idea of an inner workout, just immediately, even if people don't know exactly what we do as a company, they're like, oh, this is health and well-being, but for the inside of me somehow. And it's just a fun play on words. And I love as well, because touching on self-care, and I think Like one of the things when I started exploring self-care was everything was about the physical well-being side of things. And it's really easy, I think, to find information about physical well-being, sometimes maybe too much information or misinformation. And I love this idea of inner workout because I really think that it also plays on the fact that self-care is multifaceted and so much of it is about getting to know our insides, getting to know ourselves so that we can start to build a practice that really feels good. Yeah. It's, it's so underrated and yet it's also obvious. Like, of course we have to explore the inside of ourselves, but yeah, it's, it's sexier. It's easier from like a marketing perspective to almost prey on people when we talk about the outside and the physical only, because to be honest, when change is happening from the inside, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to notice. And it's not always as much of that quick fix. I think that leads me perfectly to my next question, which is one of the reasons that I started this podcast is that there is so much misconception around 
what self-care is. And I think that's something that you do really well is help break down this misconception around what mainstream or marketed self-care is for us. And I I say to my listeners all the time, yes, self-care can be a bubble bath and a face mask, but that's not all it is. So I would love to hear your definition and explanation as to what self-care is. Absolutely. The definition that we use at Inner Workout is that self-care is listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. So I always see self-care as less of like, I check off this box or I buy this thing and more about a conversation that you're having with yourself and self-care. Like we, we do it because we want to experience a state of well-being and there's so many different definitions of well-being. I tend towards this one that's about feeling good, feeling fulfill- fulfilled. That's such a hard word to pronounce. Feeling good, feeling fulfilled, and we're functioning well. And it's not that we're always going to feel good or always feel fulfilled, but if we can generally say like, this is true of my life. And so we practice self-care. We have that conversation with ourselves and we do inner work as well. So we can get to that space where generally we're in this state of well-being. I I think sometimes we disconnect care from our larger end goal. I love that you touched on this idea of self-care also being about having a conversation with us because I think that really touches into the self-awareness aspect of self-care. And I think that that's something that's not talked about enough as really being a part of self-care. And when I see people struggling or I see the same questions coming up from my listeners or from my community about self-care, I really feel that this self-awareness aspect of the conversation is missing. And I think that that's a big part of inner workout as well. So for our listeners who are struggling with that part and how to and under and struggling with understanding how to use it to build a more meaningful self-care practice, what advice would you give them? Again, when we get back to, I love how you talked about like marketed self-care or mainstream self-care. They The goal is to sell you something. And a lot of the tactics that get used try to disconnect you from the fact that you are your own best expert. You are always going to be the person that knows the most about you and your experience. And what marketers like to do is say like, actually, you don't know enough. This person over here knows enough. And we see this so much on social media. A lot of times what gets shared is one person found something that worked for them. And they say, this is the way that you do self-care. This is the right way to do it. And us in our insecurity or in our our rush or whatever it might be, can buy into that. And I'm not saying that it's bad to learn from other people. Obviously, I teach about self-care, but a lot of times we skip that, okay, I got this general information. Now, how can I check in with what I know to be true about me and my body and my schedule and my goals and my values? For anyone who is struggling to build self-awareness or who isn't integrating any self-awareness into the way that you care for yourself, I, I want to remind you first that you are your own best expert. So all of that external information you're getting should be in service of you getting to know yourself more deeply. The second piece is 
I would encourage you to start that conversation with yourself. It can be as simple as just sitting down and doing a body scan and noticing how you're feeling physically. It could be asking yourself some quick journaling prompts to understand how you're feeling emotionally. What's, yeah. And a lot of times it's, it's multiple emotions. You're feeling excited and you're feeling scared and you're feeling joyful. And the more that you can start to get to know yourself, you can know how to respond to the part of you that's feeling scared, for example. So those are a couple things that you can do to get to know yourself more. The third thing that I would say is like, as you're listening to things, and this in general is just, this also uses this concept called the self-reference effect. We learn things more deeply when we can apply it back to ourselves. So in general, this is just going to help you with all the personal development and learning that you're doing, but it also grounds you back in your self-awareness. So as you're listening to us right now have this conversation about the difference between mainstream self-care and the way that I talk about self-care or any anything else that sparked for you as we have this conversation, you can literally, podcasts are great for this because you can literally pause and be like, okay, how is that showing up in my life? How am I putting someone else's expertise above my own? And what happens is it brings you back as the expert in yourself. It forces you to be self-aware. And you're going to remember that concept more deeply because you tied it back to yourself. I love that so much. My my background is in teaching. And so that is just a delicious nugget of wisdom that is so true in that. And, and so common, I guess, as well in this personal development industry where we have people kind of talk at us a lot. And then we go away with all of this knowledge and information and suddenly feel overwhelmed because we don't know how to action it in our own lives because that element is missing, that element where you reflect back and go, okay, how does this apply to me or my life or my routines? Or how can I implement this or try it in a format that works for me, which doesn't always have to be the same. We can take these ideas and figure out how to bring our own flavor to them so that they work for us. That just sparks something else of even more questions that you can be asking yourself. Like, what about this could work for me? What about this might not work for me? Or sometimes I'll do this when I I see someone who's doing something that seems really brilliant be like, okay, what do I love about this? What do I know about their values, um, their lifestyle, perhaps their income, these different things, their identities, their experiences, and how are those similar or different to mine? So I can understand like what parts of this can I take at face value and what parts of this do I need to tweak a little bit because they have a different lived experience than mine. So those are some things that you can do to, again, pull apart that information that there can be a lot of gems and you have to do a little bit of mining, a little bit of sorting to make it valuable for you. I think also that's a really valuable reflection to run through after you've tried something, because I think a big block that I see when people step into, you know, doing inner work, as you call it, or starting to approach self-care from a self-awareness and self-compassion point of view is we try something 
and it's difficult or it doesn't work. And then we go, okay, this is not for me, or this type of self-care doesn't work for me or self-care doesn't work for me. But I mean, again, we know self-care is really broad. It's, it's actions that we take to take care of ourselves and that can take many forms. And so I think that reflection point that you said, like what here is aligned with my values or what works for me is something we can also do after when we've done something like what worked and what didn't, what felt good and what didn't, how could I tweak this so that I could try it again to see if I can make it work and then maybe decide whether or not this type of self-care or this self-care action or routine is not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. There's so many places where you can bring those questions in so that you're both not blindly accepting something and also you're not prematurely like throwing something out when there is a part of it that could work for you. You just got to figure out what could work and what may not work. Let's look at this from the point of view of the beginner, because your story and journey into self-care started with, as you shared a period in your life where you felt very overwhelmed and just realized this can't continue. There has to be a better way of doing this. And I think coming at up to the end of the year as we're sitting to record this and and as this episode will go out, that is probably a feeling a lot of people can relate to this sense of there's a lot going on in our lives. There's a lot of hats that we have to wear right now. There's a lot of expectation, especially coming into the end of the year when there's all of that extra busyness and social expectation that comes at this time of year. So for the beginner or maybe for the person who's fallen out of touch with their self-care and their inner work, where can we begin or how can we strip it back a little bit and start to find out what the next step might be for us to start pouring back into ourselves a little bit and building back up that sense of well-being? I think the first place you begin is from a place of self-compassion and just acknowledging that world that doesn't make it easy for us to care for ourselves. And so the fact that you are here listening to this podcast, that you're asking yourself these questions, like this is already an act of care for yourself. So start with some self-compassion, start with some celebration. Okay. I'm here and I'm ready to do something. The, The next piece that I would say is to start with the time that you have. So what I can see is sometimes People are like, I'm going to change everything. And now I went from like not moving my body at all. And now I'm going to move my body for 90 minutes a day. Or I went from not journaling and I'm going to free write morning pages right away. So like wherever you are, use the time that you have and take a little baby step. So that might be choosing like one journaling question that you sit with to every day. And you, it could be something like, what do I need right now? And you spend a minute, you can literally set a timer for a minute and start to write that down. And you start to see, okay, oh, I'm needing connection. That's going to spur some action. Again, like we talk about self-care is listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. So finding that way to listen within, whether it's one journaling prompt, whether it's sitting with your thoughts for a minute, whether it is just doing bullet points of how you're feeling. And then that naturally leads to some type of loving response that you can take. So if I'm sitting there and I'm like, I feel really disconnected, I can text a friend or 
I'm feeling really tired. Maybe I can try and go to bed 20 minutes early. But if we don't start with the listening, we we tend to take action in a way that can be disconnected from the root of our needs right now. And that's a whole thing. We also at Inner Workout, we have like a free assessment that you can take, the take care assessment, because there are all of these different aspects of you that need care. And sometimes it's helpful to have like an outside resource to help you pinpoint where you need that care. Can we link that assessment in the show notes? Absolutely. Amazing. So if our listeners are struggling a little bit today, they can go and that can be their starting point. I loved that journaling question of like, what do I need when we don't know where to start? Especially I think when we're feeling overwhelmed, there's so much noise going on in our minds. I love that idea of just taking the same question and reflecting on it each day to figure out where your patterns are. And also because I think that from like looking at coaching as well and understanding a little bit about it, sometimes we need to ask ourselves the same question a couple of times before we get down to the root of what is really going on. And that's where the the meaningful response can come from. We don't know what we don't know. And so sometimes you got to peel those layers and you start to respond to layer one of what do I need right now? And you like think, oh, I just need to text a friend. And then you realize a layer deeper and a layer deeper and a layer deeper. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, yes, maybe I was disconnected and on a surface, I thought I was because I hadn't hung out with a friend for a while, but I actually was really disconnected from my values. And the more that I asked myself that question and took an- like took action based on my answers, the more that I got to the root of what actually was feeling misaligned. I love that. I think that's something that we can take away and, and really action wherever we're at in our lives right now. I wanted to ask you about another common misconception or block that comes up for our listeners a lot. And you kind of touched on it in your last point, which is about time. Time and time again, no matter how much I talk about self-care or share about it online, this is the thing that people struggle with is either people say to me, self-care feels like another thing on my to-do list that I feel like I'm not performing at, I'm not um, achieving, or People say, this is a great idea, this self-care thing, but I have a busy life or I'm a parent and I don't have time to stop and make time for this. Um, and my my point always is that if we don't make time to care for ourselves, life will make us make time because we will get to that point where our well-being is stressed or we burn out. And for those of us who have experienced burnout, that can come to a peak very suddenly and and everything stops when it does because we don't have the choice. So let's talk about the time question. <laughs> for people who are struggling to quote unquote make time for self-care, what is your advice on that? Yeah, the first thing I want to do is like give you a hug because what this is also at inner workouts since before I started the company and started doing like research on potential customers, the most common piece of feedback we got was just, I don't have time for self-care. Like it is so common. And what makes me sad when we have that perspective is that we miss out on so many opportunities to care for ourselves with that mindset, because there are things, one of my favorite practices is like a one minute meditation. I can do that 
every day, guaranteed. There's at least a minute for me to do the little one minute meditation. But if I have the mindset that meditation only works if it takes 30 minutes or journaling only works if I do three morning pages, then I miss out on writing those few lines of things that I'm grateful for or doing the one minute meditation. So the first mindset shift that I would offer is that there is always a way to practice self-care using whatever time that you have. And once you start to use the time that you have, you start to realize that there are more places where you can fit self-care in. So if you only have a minute, if you're like, I couldn't do self-care for more than a minute a day, great. Do something that makes you feel cared for for a minute a day. If you're like, I can only do five minutes, cool. Use that five minutes. And then you really do start to see it expand and be like, oh, I can put five minutes here, but I also could put five minutes here or I can rearrange this thing so I have more time or there's something that I have to do anyway that I can turn into a moment of care. I have to walk my dog three times a day and I choose to make it an act of care because so often I'm just like looking up, especially now the trees in my neighborhood are so gorgeous and I'm using it as an opportunity to be mindful and to be present and to savor the facts that I live in a space with such beautiful nature. So use the time that you have, use the activities that you have and let that be enough for now. This whole thing about not having time for self-care, we're building an inner workout app. And that's been the whole premise of it is like, how can you use the time that you have? I'm excited for that, I have to say. (laughs) So something to look forward to. Um, But it's so true what you say about using the time you have. I I can relate to when I was working, my way of making time for self-care was just being mindful on my daily commutes because that's where I had time. And instead of just scrolling on my phone, I would uh, bring my journal. That was when I would journal. I would journal on the train at the end of every day for a couple of minutes because that was a way I could laugh, look after myself. And and I saw that doing that instead of you know getting up half an hour earlier to do three morning pages, that would have made me feel stressed. But doing this, like I say on the podcast all the time, show up for yourself where you are. When we show up for ourselves where we are, often it feels better because we are tapping into that self-awareness. We are starting with self and what we need and showing up with self-compassion by meeting those needs in a way that works for us. That is so beautiful. And I love just picturing you being on the train and using that that time that you had. And it doesn't have to, like, it's so simple. And yet the fact that you made that choice to say, it goes back to the self-awareness. I could spend this time on my phone. And I know that while it might be temporarily enjoyable, it might not make me feel good in the long term. So I'm going to use this in a different way, this time in a different way. That is exactly the type of thing that I'm talking about when it comes to self-care. It doesn't have to be all of a sudden you have this like elaborate journaling thing. It's just like, here's something that doesn't make me feel great. What else can I do? I think, I mean, that comes back to what we were talking about as well of like, taking what we learn and and sifting through it to find the gym, the gems and that 
hey, I, I think I like journaling or I think I like meditation, but then it's like, well, where does that maybe fit into my day? I mean, another thing I say to people a lot is for many of us, we have a lunch break. That's a mandatory thing that's fit into most work contracts. And there's a reason that that is there. And I think for someone who is saying, hey, I don't have any time for self-care, one of the first things I say is, okay, maybe reflect on, you know, how are you using your lunch break at work? And I was so guilty when I was working of like, oh, lunch break, that's great. Somewhere I can like fit in my emails or that's like an extra 15 minutes I can use to get ahead on my work. But when that compounds over time, my well-being goes down. Whereas if I take that 10, 15 minutes and just step outside for some fresh air or walk to the coffee machine and see my colleagues and realize I'm not alone in what I'm doing, the compound impact of that is, hey, my well-being is either maintaining or it's improving. So I think it's very true what you say of like, look around at your own life and see maybe where you could be showing up for yourself a little bit more self-compassionately as well. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about what self-care can look like. We've talked a lot about tapping into that self-awareness and figuring out what feels good and works for us. On the counter side of that, something that I wanted to kind of bring up and chat to you about is, I guess a side that, again, we don't talk about a lot is when we start self-care practices or self-care routines. And again, a lot of this can come from mainstream self-care and kind of pushing through something without realizing that maybe it's not the right choice for us. And the reason I bring this up now is that for me, what I've noticed in my life is that as the seasons shift and change, what worked before suddenly may not work anymore. And so I worked on my self-awareness to be able to ask the flip side of that question, which is what isn't working and how can I change it? So how can we bring that self-awareness to figuring out when things aren't working and what we might need to change it? This is such a good question and something that a, a lot of people who are in the inner workout community tend to be people who are what I call like self-aware achievers or overachievers. These people who like want either know a lot about themselves or want to learn a lot about themselves and have like really high hopes for the impact that they'll make in their lives, whether that's through their career or through their family or through their relationships. And what I can see a lot is that people can tend to say, okay, I'm doing this thing. I'm just supposed to do it forever. I'm just supposed to push through and I'm supposed to muscle through it. Let's just go back to the basics. Self-care is supposed to make us feel cared for. So it can be as simple as asking like, do I feel more or less cared for when I do this? Now I'll add an asterisk there because there are some things that we do, especially when we're getting into inner work. And sometimes we're like looking at parts of ourselves that don't feel super comfortable to sit with. It may not feel 100% amazing in the moment, but if you can take a moment and think, okay, if I don't feel good right now, that doesn't mean immediately write it off, follow up and say, okay, well, will my future self be happy that I did this for a little bit of time today? And if you find yourself consistently either avoiding something or not feeling great afterwards or 
not doing it in the way that you originally did it, like you make it shorter or you said you were going to do it three times a week and you're barely doing it one time a week. Those are all signs that something isn't working and you can kind of see, okay, what about this is still useful and valuable? And what about this isn't working? I live in a place, I live in Chicago and we have pretty distinct like physical seasons outside. And what I find is I'm a morning person. I tend to wake up with the sun. I wake up so much earlier in the summer because the sun is out so much earlier in the summer. I wake up so much later in the winter because the sun is out so much later in the winter. And I used to like really try and muscle through and be like, I have to be up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever time all year round. And I've had to learn to like let that go and realize what parts of my morning are most important to me and what can stay consistent all year and what parts will shift and change with the season. Let it go. I mean, I think for those of us who are overachievers and perfectionists, that tendency of this worked once and now it's not working anymore. I need to like, either I need to try harder or I need to focus harder, but sometimes we just need to let it go and come back and and lean into, you know, our, our energetic phases and patterns. And I do think like personally as well, I can relate to you on that. The seasons impact us more than we give them credit for. And I think when we look around in nature as well, everything else shifts with the seasons. Yet as as humans insist that we should be able to show up with the same enthusiasm and the same energy and the same motivation all year round. And it's just not necessary. We don't have to do that. We really don't. We don't have to. And just to build on what you said about let it go, know that letting it go doesn't necessarily mean letting it go forever. Like we're talking about seasons here. So you're letting it go for the season and maybe three months later or three years later, it might be something that you return to. So just like, let it go and trust that you'll know when it's the right time, if it's the right time to bring it back into your life. I love that. That is, I mean, again, that's just such a full circle moment as well in that it starts with the self-awareness and trusting that you are your own expert on yourself. And if something doesn't feel good, then that's your inner expert telling you this is this is not working anymore. <laughs> Let's not waste our time or energy on this. Let's try something else that might work better. So thank you for sharing that. I always like to finish with the same question for my guests, because obviously this is Fill Up Your Cup podcast, and we're all about filling into our cups in a way that makes us feel good. So I love to hear from my guests how they keep their cups topped up and filled up. So how are you filling into your cup in this season of your life, Taylor? I started taking dance classes again. So that's been something that I just feel so present in my body when I do that. It's also kind of honoring my inner child and something that I did, uh, I guess not super little, but I did it fifth grade through high school. And it just, yeah, brings me back to this place where I am so much more comfortable in my body now. And so I'm able to engage with dance and not be like, oh, well, my body should look this way to do dance. And no, it's like, this is my body. How can I move in a way that honors it? So that's been really great. Um, And I've been doing a lot of things to make my home just feel 
more cozy and more me. So lots of painting and coming up with ideas to redecorate and doing things with my hands, which again, for me, it's like, how can I find things that make me feel really grateful and present in the moment? And right now dance and decorating my home are doing that for me and filling up my cup. I love that. I I can very much relate to that decorating the home aspect. I feel like at this time of the year, I just, I'm like a squirrel. I want to hibernate and suddenly I just want to like rearrange furniture or like hang a new piece of art. And there's something about that for me that, I mean, I know it's not the same for everyone, but I also like, I love um, Pugi, like the Swedish practice of just learning to love your, your home and coming indoors and like feeling cozy. Like for me at this time of the year, there's something that like switches in when I do that. And I make time to look after my home. It really makes me feel like fulfilled and like safe and secure that I've built this little, like little nest for myself. Before I let you go, where can our listeners find more from you? Obviously we're going to put the link for that free check-in that they can do with inner workout, but is there anything else that they can look out from you that might help them with their self-care journey? Yeah, I'd say the best places to stay connected with inner workout are on our, actually the best place is our newsletter. We send out a newsletter every Sunday called self-care Sundays. When our podcast is in season, we're linking to the podcast. When the podcast isn't in season, we are linking to other resources and yeah, where I'm personally not as active on social media and inner workout isn't either. So that's the best place to like consistently have things that support your self-care and your inner work. I love that. I love a good newsletter. So I'm going to mm-hmm. add that one to my inbox as soon as we finish this, because I would love to get a little self-care Sunday resource in my inbox every week. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Taylor. You are so soothing to listen to. You are such a breath of fresh air in this um, niche of self-care in that just listening to you makes me feel calmer in looking after myself and more in that safe space of, hey, let me look inside and, and see what's working. And I hope that the same is true for our listeners. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us today and bringing your wisdom and your warmness to the show. That is so kind of you. I'm like tearing up. Thank you for having me. If you made it to the end of this episode, I hope that you feel a little less alone in your personal development journey and a little more inspired to do something today to show up for yourself. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast streaming app or platform. And if you want even more weekly inspiration, then head on over to Instagram or Facebook and follow the show as at fillupyourcuppod. Remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So do one small thing today to pour into yours and start creating a life that feels good 